0: The lesson for our consideration today is from the book of the Old Testament prophet Micah, chapters 5, verses 2 through 5, and chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000s of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The word of our Lord.
1: Let's open with prayer, please. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. The scripture this morning is bookended by a prophecy of hope in chapter 5. The promised one of peace will come out of an insignificant little town called Bethlehem, and he will be great to the ends of the earth. At the other end of the reading is Micah 6.8, A simple yet powerful prescription for a life of true faith. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do we take this as a personal call, an invitation to live a life of faith? I think so, but it's also a corporate call to journey with God together through this life. It's natural for us to hear Micah's prophecy as a messianic prophecy, the Christ to come, because our imaginations are shaped by the rest of the story. We know what happened later. But Micah was speaking to an audience in the late eighth century before the Christian era. We know from the rest of Micah's writing that it was a time of corruption, of turmoil, and deep insecurity in Israel. Micah's audience were his own people, and God spoke through Micah in terms of their present conditions as God speaks to us in terms of our present. Always with the reminder of God's activity on their behalf, on our behalf, out of the past, and with an eye to God's promised future. Well, what happens between these two bookends? At the beginning of chapter 6, which isn't included in our reading, God challenges Israel because the Lord has a controversy with the people. God invites them to plead their case before the mountains, and the enduring foundations of the earth, to let the hills hear their collective voice in their own defense. The creator calls creation as the jury to decide the controversy with God's creatures. Well, this is a pattern rooted in scripture, we know it. God's chosen people who God delivered time and time again are chronically unfaithful. In Micah's time, society was going downhill fast. There were three issues complicating life in the kingdom. First was Israel's neighbor, Assyria. They were a superpower and an imminent threat to the people of the little clans, who didn't stand a chance against the military might of their neighbor. Micah proclaimed their only hope was to trust in the power of God by remaining faithful. Second was the rampant social and moral abuse in the culture, which threatened the very existence of most of the populace. The wealth disparity was abominable, and the gap was widening due to the attitudes and behaviors of the powerful, who were taking land and inheritances from the poor. They were evicting widows and cheating in the marketplace by fixing the weights and the scales. Their concern was for their own gain and didn't care that they were stealing the vitality and identity of the people by confiscating what they had no right to. And third, those presenting themselves as religious wore a facade of piety. While they allowed forbidden practices like human sacrifice and worshiping other gods, their worship was no more than lip service and meaningless sacrifices. Grandiose gestures without love for God or neighbor. So when called to plead their case before God and all creation, this is on the scale of the cosmos, They dared to put a price on God's mercy. What do you expect, God? We've been making our burnt offerings and sacrificing expensive yearling calves. What will be enough? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or fill in that blank. Thousands of dollars, of toys, of shoes, or any of the other things we humans accumulate and consider important. But they were viewing their worship and their relationships with God through the eyes of the world and not in relationship of love. But the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, merciful God said no. You've been told, mortals, What is good? All the Lord asks is that you do justice, that you love kindness, and that you walk humbly with your God. We, all of humankind, engage with our God in our journey through life, joining in God's justice and spreading kindness between all people everywhere what is at stake between God and God's creatures is relationship that too many humans had left unattended God desires love from each of us as individuals and as a people God loves justice which is about fairness and when power is misused When those in authority take advantage of the weak or the poor or the disenfranchised, God always takes the side of the powerless. God's justice is restorative, putting things back where they should be rather than destructive or punitive. God's justice is delivered through God's people, and that's us, folks. We are called to be the voice for the voiceless, to practice justice in our everyday, to correct iniquity in all forms of power relationships. Does this mean we march out of here to take on big government, big corporations, big terrorist groups? I think we'd probably need a super costume. This doesn't quite cut it for that. But the point is to walk with God and keep our eyes and ears in tune to those situations where human rights are being taken advantage of, where people are hurting. That's where we ask ourselves, what can I offer in this situation? I have an example from our wonderful host family in Tanzania. The Makanzas are a middle-class family living in a very nice home in Dar es Salaam. But the home next door to them is a rental property. And despite having no running water, the landlord refuses to do anything about it. The renters are poor, not as well educated, and they felt helpless to do anything. So the Makanzas ran a hose from their property over to their neighbor's house to provide water for their neighbors, and they stepped in as mediators with the landlord. This world we live in, right here in Plymouth, or in Cedar Riverside, in Minneapolis, or in Tanzania, injustice, excuse me, although often hidden or disguised, is within our reach through our companion congregations and partner organizations. The God who hears the cries of the people who is always faithful and just. The God of forgiveness. This God invites us to enact justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. These are not items that can be checked off a list once and done. They are things large and small on an individual or communal scale. Micah tells us that the occasional nod towards equity is not sufficient. To live a life of faith requires not thousands of rams in sacrifice to God, but self sacrifices along the journey. How about a thousand daily acts of love and kindness for each other and for the world God loves? Walking humbly with God means recognizing our tendency towards self-righteousness, understanding that each of us is flawed. It is mortals that create hierarchies of power. God views each and every one of us equally, the life of faith is a journey with God that will reorient our hearts and our minds. To close, I invite Tracy Dickovich forward now to share reflections from her faith journey to our companion congregation in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Msasani Lutheran Congregation.
2: Going to Africa would be a trip of a lifetime, and when the opportunity presented itself, I wanted to go. It sounded like an adventure, yet deep inside, I knew it was going to be a huge leap of faith. I would have to trust and just let go. I knew the focus was on building relationships with Masani Lutheran Church, and I could do that. We planned to go on a safari, and that sounded exciting. At times, I felt a bit out of my comfort zone, and I had to work through some personal fears with God's help. I prayed a lot. God heard my prayers, and I was amazed at the peace I had throughout the trip. We had so much fun. We did many activities in Tanzania, participated in a health fair, went to an orphanage, hospital, and school. We went on a safari. We toured a spice farm and a stone city of Zanzibar but I especially enjoyed getting to know the people of Tanzania. They are people of deep faith, they sing with passion, and they share God's love easily. They show genuine caring and wonderful hospitality. We arrived real late at night and were greeted at the airport with hugs and each given a bouquet of roses. It was at midnight and the choir was all dressed up waiting for us ready to sing. I love listening to the choirs and watching them move together in rhythm. They dressed in vibrant colors, and their music was lively, and their dance was mesmerizing. Usually they sang in Swahili, but somehow it spoke to my soul. I sensed deep gratitude towards God's grace and blessings during their praise and worship time, and they seemed to be more open in their faith as it was integrated in their everyday life. They gave thanks to God for provisions, for protection, guidance, and life. We were asked to sing How Great Thou Art at Sunday Mass, both in Swahili and in English. Well, again, this pushed me out of my comfort zone. I am not in choir and can barely carry a tune. But we practiced, and then on Sunday, we were to sing from the heart. It was such a powerful experience. Praising God through this song, the congregation was also singing, and Pastor Matili was behind us with his deep, loud, thundering voice. The spirit was moving and we were in tears. I also saw God at work through Healing Touch Spiritual Ministry. Our Mount Olivet Healing Touch team began a ministry here two years ago. And Healing Touch is a prayer-filled, heart-centered healing of the body, mind, and spirit. Two years ago, we presented this ministry to the Mississauga members that were visiting Mount Olivet. It was well received, and now we were invited to do Healing Touch there in Tanzania. Two women, Elizabeth and Ellie, joined us. um, On that particular day, we saw 40 participants for Healing Touch, so it was very much appreciated. Pastor Matili also came. He was curious, and he wanted to learn more. He received Healing Touch, and later told us how he could envision the spiritual Healing Touch at their congregation. During the following Sunday Mass, he introduced both Elizabeth and Ellie who would lead this ministry at their church. We plan to stay in contact with them through email and Skype. Since we've been back at home already, Pastor Matili has emailed that they have provided spiritual healing touch there at another church. He said it was very powerful that everyone who received saw the Holy Spirit. He wanted us to know that the seed that was planted has been growing fast and effectively. He praises God and so do we. God is good. God is working. He's transforming my heart and mind. He's drawing me closer into a deeper relationship and it's, it's an exciting spiritual journey. And now I'm ready for the adventure.